This show is proudly brought to you in partnership with Adreno. Shop with our sponsor Adreno at spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpear at checkout and you will save yourself $20 on all purchases over $200. You'll be able to enjoy $15 flat rate shipping Australia-wide. Adreno is the biggest dive store in the world and they stock a massive range of gear for Spearos. They've got mega stores in Brisbane, Sydney and now Melbourne and they have over 60 underwater experts in store and it's a no-brainer. Get into Adreno and shop with our sponsors at spearfishing.com.au. I wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water, and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet, and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. But when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots. It's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And they've seen this big fin break the surface, rolled into the water, looked down, here's this nice big... Great <laughs> Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. G'day noobers. Today we are chatting with the president of the Darwin Dolphin Spearfishing Club. Uh, he's an ex-Australian champion, a columnist for the International Freediving and Spearfishing News magazine. He's the father of a former guest on the show, Simon Tripp. And uh, he, he, he was the subject of a viral video last year because he witnessed a bizarre ocean encounter between a lionfish and a banded sea crate, I believe. And um, he's also the black Jewfish's worst nightmare. Maddie Poulton said, no one has shot more black Jew than Rick Tripp. So welcome to the show, Rick. It's great to have you. Thank you for asking. All right, Rick. Um why don't you fill us in on your spearfishing background? Where and how did you get started in spearfishing? It's, it's funny. Um, back in the day, I'm a, I'm a few years old. Back in the days of black and white TV, they had a um, a show called Sea Hunt with Mike Nelson. And I guess that sort of pushed me along. Plus, I was born in the Philippines, and I think I left there when I was about four. I used to get on the pool every day uh, there and then um, love the sea. Then coming up to back to Sydney, um, um, going to um, um, Watson's Bay, Camp Cove there, and also catching a ferry over to to um, um, Manly. And uh, a friend of the family had a unit there, and I used to go out there, and I'd give him a bottle of beer. I'll bring a bottle of beer. I don't know how I used to buy it, actually, because I was underage. Anyway, give him <laughs> a bottle of beer. And then I would, without a spear gun, jump out there in a pair of um, jeans and jumper or something and jump in the water and and search for fish and all I had was a knife and looking at cockies and trying to spear those with my knife of course that never happened <laughs> and um so there were my early days of um of diving so and um then, uh, yeah oh no I was just going to say when did you when did you get a spear gun and sort of start hitting it where, um, where were you in, in my very young teens um and um and then started shooting fish and, and mind you I I don't think I had a boat ride till I joined a club, the Dolphins, Sensing Dolphins, and uh, I used to go out in the, you know, the shore. And my mother said it um, kept the um, the household alive and my bringing fish back all the time, so it really helped the um, the money factor and it kept her going. She's a single mum. All right. So, what was maybe one of the first memorable fish that you shot? Um, more than likely, would you believe a, a red mulwong, but the 
but the one that sticks in my mind was one day driving out to, to uh, Long Reef, and I think I was in my boat, and I had a newbie and a couple other fellows, and um, being a, a gentleman and a, and a uh, appreciator of other people in the water, there was two or three fishers fishing the spot I wanted to go to. I said, oh, bugger. So I anchored behind them to the pick-in, jumped in into visibility of about oh, 20 meters. It's sensational this day, maybe a bit more. And um, and I dived down, and I swam into a bait ball of um, jewies, you know, first dive, and I couldn't believe it. Then they, and I thought they were, say, 20 to 40 pounds, and uh, they swam away into this gutter, and I lost my chance. And then they were swimming out, and a couple of 40 pounds, which I thought they were, um, placed a shot into that, and went straight to the bottom, and um, thought I was going to look like my spirit could sort of pull out, hit the surface, and this newbie couldn't dive past about 10 foot. So I grabbed his gun, went down to it, swam up to it, and and, and and as I pulled the trigger, I literally saw the spear slowly move out of my gun and hit the dude. I said, oh, Jesus, it's got rubber bands, it's, it's um, rubbers. Mm. And then uh, and as I sent back to the surface, it has pulled out. So luckily, my spear still held, caught it up. And then when we um, was putting the boat away, we went past this pizza place. So I got in the way to fish with me. It went 70 pounds, so it was a lot bigger. Than that. So the small ones must have been 40, and the big ones were... 70 pounds. So wow. That was, my, that was my first memorable big fish, first big jewelry. 70 pound jewelry. Wow, that's a you tank. Know, oh, yeah. Well, it was, well, I was, you know, happy. Anyway, funny game, I was going past, and I think some friends of mine were on the foreshore of the harbor. And I pulled up there, and uh, one of the mates said, uh, How many fish you get? And I said, Only the one. So I <laughs> I picked it out, of course, being a show off, and pulled it up and went, oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> you would have got some looks with that fish far out. Yeah, there was no social yeah. media back then, so you couldn't just put it up on the internet everywhere, could oh. you? Okay. All right. So, all right, Rick, could you share with us uh, a hunting technique that you use or that you could recommend for new guys starting out or that you find effective? Yeah. Well, up here, as you know, the visibility is zero to a few meters, a, a good day for us. Uh, and we only dive neap tides, and they're um, you know, spring tides and neap tides. Spring tides are huge tides, which we have tides up to eight meters, normally about six, seven. Um, and then it drops down to about, if you're lucky, uh, one meter changeover to a three meter changeover. And in neap tides, this is when some wormlands of visibilities in the water and the, and the um, sediment sort of drops. And uh, so a, a good day would be three meters. Anything past that would be magic. And um, so we generally, when we go there, we have a lot of anchor, a lot of uh, wrecks up here sunk by fisheries and uh, cyclone tracing wrecks and also World War II wrecks. And the Japanese won the war. They came and back to the harbor there and salvaged all the, the wrecks and cut it down to almost a basement and, shipped it back to Japan. But, you know, apart from that, they, they still hold a few good um, fish. And uh, so what we try to do, because visibility is bad, we try to either I swim down and wrap the anchor around the wreck, and then we pull the anchor rope very tight so it's near vertical, and then um, we generally swim down, either pulling us down the anchor rope or, or swimming down with the anchor rope. I like um, swimming down pull yourself down the anchor rope and then that way you won't miss the wreck 
hit the rack, and then you sort of go on there. And quite often, you my technique is bumping into Jewies. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and and also, I have a, a mid handle gun, um, and that that helps getting close. Maybe a meter, uh, meter, meter one, I guess. But being being mid handle. Uh, means you get that, that much close to it, whereas you have a normal meter gun, you're, you've got an extra, um, how long, nine inches sticking further out, so you're, you're a little bit closer. Mm. And, uh, and quite often it's being, being quiet. And there's a few wrecks up here that are a nine out of ten, if you want to see Jewish, will be on it. And with those wrecks, what I try to do, and I'm um, try to be a gentleman, I usually ask the guys I've come up with, Anyone here hasn't shot a black Jew, and you know, I might get one person to put his hand up and say, okay, what we'll do, we'll get there and relax. And when the last person puts their thumb up, you dive down first and we'll all follow you down. Hopefully, we'll all get a Jewy each. Yeah, and right. um, so generally, um, on two of the wrecks, if we hit it, generally three of us get a, a Jewy each, which is sensational. That's so, phenomenal. Yeah. So there'll be three or four yeah. years, and, and because the, the school's holding up, it, it just gives you a chance to all get a spear away, hopefully into a fish. Yeah. And then just return. I, yeah, I posted a video on my website a little while back um, of a, one of the particular wrecks, and um, we all died down together, and uh, I could just hear a slide, and if you turn the volume up loud in this video, you can hear the gun go off, and you hear some slide arcing, arc, 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 arc. And then all of a sudden, they get louder, louder, louder. Next thing I know, they're bumping me, swinging past me, but sort of straight away from me, meaning I can't get a good shot of them. So I get, and then my mate's in front of me. He shoots one, so he brings him back towards me. And the school's maybe about 20 or 30, and uh, which is a, it's a sight to see. And luckily, I have my GoPro on. And then it, then at once, the school arcs away, picking up the stone one. So there's three divers with a, a fishy, which is sensational. Yeah, wow. And, and the depths we have in our wrecks um, off Lee Point Nightcliff, which is um, out of the harbour, turn right, and they're, they're shallower wrecks from 10 to 15 metres. Um, and generally, there's a wreck called the Bottle Washer, which is an ex-Coca-Cola bottle washing machine, um, <laughs> sunk off Lee Point in about... 10, 12 metres, and they're sitting up very proud in two sections. And, and what fisheries have done, they've sunk that, and and around the wreck, they've also sunk culverts in old um, 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 purling anchors that um, you know, Australia have donated and, and sunk around this. They all make a nice little, you know, system, a reef system, ecosystem. And the last day I dived there, um, which was the Thursday before I came down to the wedding, um, went out there, and the visibility on that wreck wasn't bad. The rest were Shah's house, um, <laughs> with about three meters. And when I dived down the first dive, I saw a jury inside the wreck, and it gave me a perfect shot. I thought, oh, no, there's too much metal around. I'd, I hit this, and if I don't get a good shot, it'll go ape and bend my spear and lose it. So I didn't, and I thought, well, being a cheeky blood, if there's one there, it's going to be still. So I swam out the wreck. But I mean, it was a lone one. That shit. Hit the <laughs> surface. Dive down again. Saw another jury, but it gave me a tail shot. So I let that go. Saw another jury. <laughs> These are all loners. And uh, it gave me a good shot, but just a bit too far away. And then 
as as mostly you do and most average good sparrows don't want to put a fish in, a shot into a fish unless it's a you know an 85 95% holding good holding shot a full shot and anyway uh, lost my chances not those three so I swam into the wreck and as I was swimming out lo and behold this about a nine kilo barra was there and hit that in this well, just a, hit it a little bit low still got it and it one eight and grab hold of it and big bear hug, show my hands and skills, some at the surface and threw that in the boat. And then we moved on to the nine and a half out of ten wreck. And um so I told two of the fellows there, one, he got his first Jew last nip and uh a South African fellow called Bevan. I so I said, You get out first, young mate get in a second, I'll follow you down and normally in this wreck they're on the deck. So they all hit the bottom, and I think I dived down and placed the anchor. I forget now, was I chucked the anchor in and the whole crew anyway. So we dived down and um, hit the deck, and the visibility here was meter to meter and a half, and it was just terrible. And uh, so no juries to be seen. It, they could have been there, and we just never saw them. Hit the surface, and my next dive was on the sand, swimming out, and lo and behold, still a juries, maybe, I don't know, I just saw diamonds and eyes and uh, shot one, stoned it just about, grabbed hold, it had in my arms, came up and all of a sudden it came back to life, popped out of my arms and went straight down after a big long, and I used prangers, after a big long fight, finally got it back, busted my bungee on my um, gun, which is okay, and then grabbed hold again and finally wedged my hand inside the gills. And once you do that, as most divers know, it's a good holding position. They can't get off or near impossible to get off. Send back to the boat and then then uh, dive down again. And um, visibility pretty bad. Hit the bottom, just laid in the bottom on the deck of the boat. Saw another jury, shot that, <laughs> lost it straight away. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's a stunned and I should have swam towards it. And you've got a, a window opportunity for a few seconds if you grab a jury reef it out of the wreck or grab hold and swim out with it you've got it but if you leave it a few seconds it might come back to life anyway so this one did next jury I dive down I'm right on top of it I'm squinting my eyes to, to see it and, I'm, and it was my favourite shot this one right on top of the, the northern strip so a downward shot and use it as wallet completely fired and it oh, didn't move so I went to pull it up and here's my pranger all the barbers have been clean, missed it. Then the next jury missed that one again. <laughs> That's how dirty it was. And then, yeah. and luckily on the, on the sand again, I picked up a, a second jury. Wow. So you, you mentioned a, um, you've got a website there where you shared one of these videos. What, what's the web, name of the website? Oh, oh no, not a website. Sorry, just, just my uh, Facebook page, Retrip. And um, so then that, those wrecks off Lee Point, there's the, uh, there's the bottle washer. Then there's the Mick Clancy Reef, and, and my mate who I die with sometimes, uh, uh, Chad is his brother who died of cancer. They named the reef after him. And there's a walkway in Cullen Bay, which is an upmarket suburb, and it gone by, it's used by a date. So they put a, um, a marina-type walkway. They towed that out and sunk that in this area, which is holding a lot of small golden snapper, or finger mark, you want to call them. We call them Golden Snapper and Darwin. Um, and small jewies, soapies, and other sort of fish. And it's caught up in a big chubacal, oh, yeah, say, 10 kilo or 
five kilo Trevallis and Pastera Golden Trevallis and GTs. And uh, I don't normally eat those, but I spew them for my dog, for dog food. Um, and that's a, that's a nice site there. Then we fall back to the Rick Mill system, which is some old mining equipment. And then dotted around the Rick Mill system is a whole bunch of um, uh, re- um, yachts and wrecks and whatnot, and also some more culverts and more anchors. And uh, this is also a nice little jiggy spot. So, Rick, in, the, um, the seafloor up there, so there's there's not a lot of natural structure, is that right, off Darwin? Uh, there is. There's reefs there, but because of the wrecks, uh, um, I just love Darwin wrecks. It's, just, mm. uh, it's a nice site and whatnot. And they're more productive for black jute? Uh, yes. I, I, um, I don't normally get uh, fine wrecks hard on reefs. I not normally it's the wrecks. Yeah, right. I, I find them on. I, I just bounce from wreck to wreck to wreck to wreck till I find them. Till you're wrecked. Yeah. And then, then we go back into the harbour, and they're a bit deeper. The wrecks in the harbour are about 20 metres. Yeah. Um, and they range from Cyclone Tracy wrecks to uh, World War Two wrecks. And also there's one big one called a Medican, which is an old, um, not old, but a, um, a, a legal either Chinese or um, mothership they can confiscate it and kind of, kind of like it was paid to have it clean. Yeah. And they sunk it. And that's always a pleasure to dive on because that's a whole ship laying on its side. Yeah. Um, but that's dangerous for you to be careful there because a lot of lost anchor anchors there and anchor ropes hanging everywhere and fishing lines. So you've got to be careful when you're diving there to make sure you don't get tangled up. But mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes I get jewelries there and sometimes just a, a you know, pleasant dive. Yeah, cool. All right, Rick. Sounds like you've spent a lot of um, time in the water and Got some grunt, great hunting techniques and stories there, but um, what's probably one of the scariest moments you've had out spearfishing, and what did you learn from it? Um, well, one of the scary is a, a group of um, wrecks again called the Fenton Patches, <coughs> and that's um, about a three-quarter hour drive out to sea, and it's been pitch black there, and we've had 20 metres visit there, so luck of the draw. This day... On the surface was clear. On the bottom was about five meters, and uh, went out in two boats. First of all, we had a, a shallow dive, or ten, fifteen minute dive to warm up. <clears throat> then we went out to the fatten patches, so and that's pushing thirty meters there. So it's a you know, fairly you know, good dive. Yeah. Anchored on um, a wreck called the Marchant, and um, two boats. And I was a boat. I was on the boat with Big Chris. He's a policeman, and also his mate was also a policeman. And um, we're diving around, <laughs> and one of the guys there had um, oh, he was um, oh, a frogger. He'd shot a uh, a big jack, and it went into the wreck and couldn't get it out. But he had it in a record to the surface, and um, I had a dive down that day. I was coughing like mad, as I quite often do. <laughs> and uh, I could make the top of the rack, which is about 22, 24 metres, but I couldn't make any further. <laughs> so I had two attempts to get the gun out. Couldn't do it. Hit the service, and um, mate Paul had just shot a um, golden snapper and seen back. <laughs> and I said, um, Paul, you know, give me your gun, and I'll load it for you. Oh, and um, he said, no, no, I'll do it. And I, I said this for a particular reason. I didn't want him to go down with the gun, um, 
free the fish and then try to shoot a um, a fish as well and do two things instead of just doing concentrate one. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> sent back to my where the float was, and there was three divers and myself, uh, and Big Chris, another diver. And uh, again, I said, give me a gun and I'll hook it up next to mine on the float. He said, no, no, I'm fine. So he dived down, and after about two minutes, I yelled out, where's Paul? And that precise moment, the anchor of the boat um, unhooked or pulled out, and um, he must have freed the gun. And so we didn't have a direct marking for who he was. And um, once the guys turned back, the boat jumped in, we got the anchor, uh, and then we then did bomb dives. We gave, um, took our white belts off and gave it to one diver. <laughs> and he went down with a rope trying to find Paul. Uh, we put out SOS and uh, a fishing boat, uh, a fisherman came in and found a spear gun floating on the surface oh, no. and uh, gave it to us. So I knew what had happened. He'd, well, I assumed I knew that he'd gone down, freed the spear of the fish had gone by the stage um, and then um, saw uh, a big fish, shot it. And, and, and as we all do, we try to skull-dug it away from the, the wreck and start kicking up, putting pressure on it. This extra pressure makes it going up slower and you had a shallow water blackout. Mm. Anyway, um, we did start doing this bomb dive, taking shares and grabbing the belt or belts and diving down. And the last time I went down, I, I can't remember ever dropping my belt on purpose. And um, last one I went down, hit the bottom. I could see this sort of bright, it looked like fluoro thing, and I couldn't quite make it up. But at this, but this stage, I, was, I knew I was looking for a body. And uh, and then we. Uh, when I surfaced, I'm three quarters of the surface, and oh my Jesus, I, I knew I would make the surface. I dropped my white belt, hit the surface, and I yelled at the boat, and said, hey, you know, lost Paul back in the boats. So we waited for um, some help. The um, police launcher coming out. Luckily, a custom boat was in the area. They bent us their um, uh, nap uh, phone. Um, what's a phone? The Sky. Um, what are the phones? Satellite phone. Uh, yeah, satellite phone. Yeah. And uh, we'd phone, you know, certain people and whatnot, and the police came out, and I said, well, I think I saw Paul here. It was some kind of scuba diver, and uh, phoned him straight away. And here he was, bottoming down, um, just off the wreck, just, you know, nice and peaceful. And uh, and um, and his, he, I think they found the spear, I forget now, the cord floating up, because the spear gun had gone adrift. Um, and which a fisherman had found, and then, um, and then that you know, we had to then go back and find the mother, went to the funeral, and that was my uh, maybe the most scariest time. But but we had three divers waiting on the surface, waiting for him to surface, so we we, we knew we were waiting for him to come up. But he just didn't listen to me, he didn't listen to me, he lied today, don't take your gun down, you know, you just do one thing, dive down, free the thing because I knew what he's going to do. And um, the extra time searching for the, you know, the the, the, um, the other blokes fish again. and whatnot, trying to feed yeah. yeah. So uh, that's a that's a really powerful story, Rick, and and thanks for sharing that with us. I mean, probably like the worst it is. It's the worst possible outcome that you could have. But I mean, I think our, you know it's really good to hear these stories and just 
you know be reminded about some some things we all need to think about when we're diving and um and get our get our priorities right so wow you can never be too never be too careful or too or too diligent G'day guys, if you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode Freediving for Spearfishing with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor and he has come up with two great courses, the 10-meter freedive and the 5-minute freediver. I've used the 5-minute freediver to increase my bottom time, found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea and I cannot recommend it highly enough. His other course, the 10-meter freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 meters and this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NOOBSPIRO to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRO. Yeah. All right. This next part of the show, we're just going to change note a bit. It's called the Veterans Vault. So this is the part of the show where we ask our feature guests to take us deep into an area of their spearfishing expertise. And um, so we've asked you to talk about hunting black dewfish and diving the top end of Australia. You've already told a lot of stories about both of these things, but um, yeah, this guy's said that no one's shot more black dewies than Rick Tripp. So <laughs> let, let's let's get some um, let's get some tips and some actionable information on how to hunt the the much lauded black dewfish. Yeah, the <clears throat> as I mentioned, my technique is to anchor on top of the <coughs> wrecks and pull myself down. That's why I'm not using my legs, and hopefully give me more bottom time, and also. Um, as I'm getting a tad older and I've just had a, a full knee reconstruction, um, helps. And, and also the main thing is putting myself down the anchor up. I find the wrecks, if you happen to dive down normally, one twist of your body at a slight degree, you'll miss the wreck and swim off the wrong direction. Mm. <laughs> so, um, um, do that, push off down, hit the top of the wreck and, and knowing your wreck, and, and past um, experience of what Jewish normally lie, assume for that, and then try to not get eye contact with Jewish, which is pretty hard sometimes because you get pretty excited, and then sort of drift towards them, lay motionless, and then hopefully they'll arc around you, or if they're swimming away, just get the best shot of the of the school or, or the lone Jew. Um, and... Uh, and quite often, you know, I shoot with my thumb, as in I've got the gun down by my side. Um, so I have my hand behind me with using my figure, my thumb on the um, trigger, so if you can imagine how you do that. And the other hand holding on to the front of my gun and shooting G-Fix like that, cause it's, or quite often you're shooting from the hip or this odd direction because so, how dirty it is up here. As I said, my favorite shot is direct up and down, but you don't always get a great shot in. Um, I don't normally see Jewies uh, on headlands. and <laughs> Well, not as usually for me, it's on wrecks, so just bounce direct, direct, direct till I, till I see them. Um, maybe another tip is... <clears throat> I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs> another tip is... Um, trip, um, is sort of try to 
go to, if you're sensitive to the on the wreck, hit the sand, it's lying motionless, it's white there and white there and white there, as you do for other species. And sometimes they materialize in front of you. This one, this particular wreck I just told you about, um, um, one day there were six of us diving on it, no jewies, and the uh, the final dive, I said, I'll get the anchor. So I dived down to grab all the anchor, and um, lo and behold, out of nowhere, a school of jewies came in. I, all the dollars back in the boat. I belt one, and it goes crazy, and wraps itself around the wreck, and I surface, and I said, quick, back in the water, the jewies. They all had their first dive, dive down, and then uh, there's another new diver there. <clears throat> so no, I've gone that right? <clears throat> I said to the new diver, okay, dive down and put a second shaft into mine. And he came up and he said, shooting. Oh, no, no, you had a good holding shelter. I said, no, mate, I got a pranger on. So I dived down. Sure enough, got off. I could have killed him. Rick, why do you use prangers um, for jewies? Is it a species thing or is it a dirty water thing? What, what, why do you have a preference for prangers? I'm, I'm an ex New South Wales comp diver or Sydney comp diver. And we all used to use pangers back then, and still, still do, I guess. It's just that's the way I was brought up. I, I use a straight head, um, but with a pranger, it just hits them. Now, I use, on a small gun of mine, I use three rubbers, <coughs> excuse me, for Jewies, and it just stuns them for a while. So you've got a, a, a second or three or five to quickly grab hold of them yep. or, and or skull drag them away from the wreck <coughs> so they don't get... Um, um, locked in there and, and get leverage to bend or pull this beer out. So you're, you're essentially using a fairly short, short, maybe you could say overpowered gun um, with a pranger. Is, is that just so that's that's what you like for the dirty water, is it? Because you, because I mean, if, what is it, three 16 mil rubbers? My rubbers aren't that sort of short, okay. so uh, they're easy to load. Yep. Um, and also, if, um, if I had a, uh, two or three dives in a wreck, I could see there's no Jewies, I then just take one one rubber off. I, I can hold them with two rubbers, but I, I love the punch of the uh, pranger into the into the uh, the um, barra, into the Jew, and that sort of knocks some sense as I said for that few seconds. Mm. But normal fishing, I just use, just use two rubbers, and uh, for snapper and whatnot. Sometimes I'm diving like the wrecks off. I'll fed in patches, so I'll go back to using three rubbers because I want to make sure I um, disable the fish I'm shooting at, so I can bring it back up again. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, I was gonna ask you, Rick. You know what? What makes the black jewfish such a a sought after species? Like, are they really, really good eating quality? I mean, sounds like they once you get onto them, they they're pretty cagey. But um, but and they and they they give you a bit of curry when you shoot them. But I, I think they're no more cagey than the, the Mulloway, mm-hmm. uh, and they're a very similar fish. The black chew up here, as the Mulloway are, <laughs> are great eating fish. I just loving them. I, I eat fish twice a day, literally. Wow! Right. Only time I meet is when I go out. I'll make a, a batch of. Uh, you know, a curried um, a fish or a pasta dish or a whatever fish, and I'll freeze the leftovers and take it to work and and um, defrost that and have fish for lunch. I hate going out to to, um, to a restaurant or a shop or whatever for lunch and saying, "Oh, damn, you know, maybe it's all fat eating that." So, so I just bring my own food in. Yeah, you're right. Eh? But yeah, jewfish is a sensation. Also, um, I try to 
collect the jewels. Uh, sometimes I'm too tired, but, but I try to. And I make sure that the newbies that that's their first year, I cut it out and give them the jewels and say, well, you know, this, this is pretty important. Your first year, you should always keep the jewels. Do- diamonds are a trip a trip's best friend, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> so just, just to explain um, to you guys, what, what are the jewels in the jewfish that um, the fish is named after? What are you cutting Right, out? yeah, they're, they're uh, the fish's ears, the otherless, Um and um, if, you, if you turn the fish upside down, cut the gills out, and sort of imagine where an Adam apple would be, little bump there is a little Adam apple in the fish. It's not the Adam apple. That's, that's what I call it. And then um, you pull the, the gills, uh, rip them back a bit. This will expose a bit of skin there. And then I get a machete and, and a couple of hits there and then prise open the bone. And the first time I got the the, uh, the jewels out, they're in a little plastic bag. I said, oh, gee whiz, pollution down here, Kaplan. But they're I've got a little encased in a little, they're not plastic, but it looks like a little plastic bag. Yeah. And uh, there's two nice little stones, or what nickname, <clears throat> jewels, and uh, the old fishermen of old days, so I'm told, used to set them for jewelry for their girlfriends or, or whatever. And I've been meaning to make some cufflings. I'll get cufflings made on them, but I've never have done. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, um, I've got to go back to the pranger thing. Um, I did have one more question. For a new guy starting out, how how does the pranger work? Like, how how does it, why has it got such good holding power? The, the new blood starting out is much easier using his trade point because yep. you, you've um, you got to know how to solder and muck around and whatnot. Luckily, I've got my mate, big Chris, he, uh, he solds them up for me. And there's six crab spears on a base. Um, I use <laughs> five sixteenth shafts mm-hmm. on a small gun. Um, hey, because it's the smaller shafts, the Jimmy's love those and it's bending with pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I screw on the, the pranger base, and um, and there all the barbs are faced in as you would know. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find it has um, great holding power. Oh, yes, I have lost, but but mates have lost stuff on straight points as well. Mm. I think I think that the Australian record. Um, Dog to tuna shot by Lev's Lev's squeeze an old dolphin hundred years ago, uh, was shot with a pranger. Yeah. I think Ian Puckridge, his one was shot with a pranger too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We, we were talking with him this morning, eighty three kilo with a pranger head. I was like, that's yeah. that's phenomenal. So do they does the the pranger goes in and those the points move apart, don't they? As they penetrate, is that right? Well, if, sometimes you splay them. Yep. Um, and, and that's a that's a catch twenty two using too much power and you it's sort of spread out but um, there's more chance of, of um, not hitting the spine and whatnot. Mm-hmm. and what I like about it is the punch this is like going blue water hunting with a um, uh, three eight spear a heavy spear mm-hmm. you just hit the fish and, and then it's great holding power yeah, yeah. okay hurts them yeah has a bit of shock and awe about it yeah, yeah. cool and, and that's why I like Prangers. People say to me, you know, Rick, why do you use old-fashioned prangers? Well, they're not old-fashioned. We're still using them. But <clears throat> that's, just, that's why I was brought up. And I was, uh, my second gun, uh, I always carry two guns with me, yep. is a, a, a straight head, so just in case, but I never seem to use it. Yep. Yeah, right. And also, both my guns are, or all my, my I've got three Bob McCoons mid-handles, and I've got a Andre 
from Indonesia mid handle, and I got my mate Chris who made me up a mid handle as well. I just love them. Ah, cool. All right, um, a lot of our listeners dive in dirty water. We've got sort of listeners spread all over the place, and they dive cold water, warm water. But a, a seem, we've seemed to have got a, a lot of feedback from guys in dirty water. They like hearing from other divers that have been diving in dirty water. I was going to ask you, what are your kind of best tips for diving in dirty water? Um, well, it's confidence. I tell all my mates that come up that haven't dived here to learn Braille so they can certainly. <laughs> um, I truly, you know, that's, that's how it is. And, and it takes someone, say, from Sydney coming up here to get used to the, the dirty water. Like young uh, Evan from uh, the Dolphins, when he came up, um, he's, he's like come here twice and he just could not believe the dirty water. But, you know, it didn't take long before he got used to it yeah like he he uh i took him out to the fetten patches once and sent him down and on the bottom looking up he could see the silhouettes of the um the fish and that's what as we quite often do is hit the bottom and, and just sort of look up and try to hope them will swim out in front of us and belt and you know the silhouettes sort of stand out and, and ah. shoot that and hope it's not a one with four legs <laughs> ah, yeah which we've spoken about yeah right okay what other tips do you give to these guys? Um, if you're diving in northern waters, is, is um, we have up to 300 crocodiles taken out of the harbour every year or more. I don't go diving in, um, in, in the river mouths and whatnot and push the envelope. <laughs> if I'm diving in a, pop, a, a place that I think might have a, you know, a crocky, um, be one diver in the boat being riding gunshot, the rest in the water. And then we, when the next person shoots a fish, then they swap positions. So uh, always keep a, always keep a lookout. But but generally, um, I don't have problems with um, with crocs. Simon will tell you a good little story. As a young bloke when he came up here about crocs, what yeah. one night, one night, um, he, he had two jobs up here. And uh, he'd gone out the night, and he's in bed asleep. And he, no, I've forgotten the story. And uh, he said he was telling me a couple of days ago, and I, I came and kind of woke him up. He said, "No, no, Dad, big night. No, I'm, I'm too tired." I said, "Mate, the, the diving's perfect." Anyway, I went away, and about five minutes later, I came back with a bucket of water and threw it over from his head. <laughs> and uh, as you can imagine, he wasn't too happy. He came chasing me, so he, I lived across the road from the beach, it was my dad's place then. But I sold that and bought it back again. Um, and the rest across the, the uh, he was chasing across the road, and sure enough, there was a lot of gear laid out. So he's like, so he grabbed the gear, and he thought, well, so I'm, up, I'm up this far, so I might as well go. So he got to the water's edge, and the tide had gone up a little bit. So we were wading out, wading out, and he thought, oh, I can't stand it. I'll get on my hands and knees and pull myself out. And um, and I had a dog there then called um, Anna, a uh, German Trade Pointer. And uh, he heard this noise, and he said, oh, I said, like Anna. Looked around and here's this two meter plus crocodile walking on the spores on the reef, going back into land. He said, "Jesus, come <laughs> out!" He's very tired. <laughs> anyway, he said, "He said," and he said, "I then later said, let's go back and the crocodile's set my way." No, 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 no. That night, sure enough, they'd caught it off uh, East Point. <laughs> wow! So, funny little story. G'day guys, the show is proudly brought to you in conjunction with Penetrator Fins. 
Now, Penetrator has an all-new look with the same great technology and quality. If you want to take your diving to the next level, seriously, get yourself into a set of good composite fins or a good set of carbon fibre fins like those that Larry Gray makes down on the Gold Coast. The Penetrator blades are absolutely incredible. Shrek, you love them? Yeah, look, I've had mine for about 18 months now. I'll put them through some punishing dives, oh. even some shore dives with the, with the poor old carbon fibre. And I've still stood up, although I don't recommend that to everyone. But they still look good with the uh, with the Noobsphere custom design, just saying. And uh, but you can get look get get hold of any of Larry's new designs. He's got all new branding. They look smoking hot. Uh, head over to penetratorfins.com. So, what's the funniest thing you've seen out spearfishing, Rick? Um, a couple of them. Um, one, <clears throat> I was diving. Um, the Mandora Wharf one day with, with a um, uh, professional diver licensed to carry a handgun uh, for cocks and whatnot. <laughs> I was diving on the wharf and, uh, and it's like marine land down there, although if there's people on the wharf now, you have to be careful because it's a, a, a lure in the territory. You can't be within 150 meters other than someone else in your own group. And a lady scuba diver from fisheries apparently got this past that little shit. Anyway, <laughs> um, um, and we're at this day, and, and apparently this fellow had caught something big. He's racing back and forth and racing down the stairs, which is not easy. You have to have a you race down, you have to have a rod passed down to you. And uh, and they're, they're screaming at us, "Oh, well, it's happening! He's got big fish. We've got to have a little look." And after about five minutes, I got bored and went back to the water again. <laughs> anyway, apparently he caught the largest at the time, if not still largest land-based tiger shark oh. in the world, or if not Australia, a four-meter-plus tiger. Wow. I was in the water. He just had a dive, and my mate, Dave, um, saw the shark, came back under the wharf, swam right over top of me, got the gun out, and was going to shoot it, and shit, which has not service, and luck by service, he might hit me, so he didn't shoot it. Then it went out again, and lucky, or unlucky for the shark, they gaffed it, and with a lot of trouble, he heaved it up. On the um, on the wharf, and then if you see the ferry coming in, <coughs> it wasn't a good idea to have a, a live tiger kicking around and whatnot. So he got his Glock out and fired, bang bang, bang bang, <laughs> and killed it. It was going to die a slow death anyway. Uh, I hate shooting something. Well, I don't shoot anything. If I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to eat it. So I hate killing something that you're not going to eat. And uh, so that was. And then and after. It, it caught I went back and diving again. You don't be mad, but it helps. <laughs> and another day, another, another day, which was not not last night, not last Thursday, the Thursday be, the night before. Needs to run about every two weeks. Okay. And uh, we're diving again, the bottle washer. And um, I had a few dives. Oh, did I tell you about the big rapper? Oh, no. 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 Anyway, uh, um, uh, I had a dive down, mate came up and said, oh, I just shot a big barrel in, in, in the, uh, the wreck and my gun stuck in there. So, oh, bugger. But he had a, a belt reel attached to the gun. It's on the surface. So I dived down, saw his gun inside the wreck, and I could hear this thump, thump, thump. Barrel sort of crashed me everywhere. And as I sort of swam away from the wreck, I could see this big grabber coming. I said, oh, nah. And the notorious <laughs> were taking our fish. Hit the surface and said, you better dive down straight away the way you lose it. So he dived down when he came. I saw oh, it's too late. I saw the the, the big uh, cod, maybe on grabber run about 100 kilos, <laughs> maybe 100 kilos, swimming around. He was fish in his mouth. 
and uh, couldn't quite swallow because he had the spear sticking in as well. <laughs> so I, I dived down, and um, <clears throat> I asked him, then, oh, you, grab, you grab the spear? He said, no way. It's <laughs> okay. So I dived down with my GoPro on, and I filmed it, and <laughs> I, I couldn't get too close to it. Then he dived down and followed the groper, and a stroke of luck, the groper regurgitated the, uh, the barra. He then swung um, straight to it, grabbed hold of it, sent back the surface with the groper chasing him. And the, the, the uh, barra was completely scaled. So at least he got his, got his spear back, slightly bent, and the barra as well. So that was maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> so he got a, he got a, um, a pre-scaled barra. That's unreal. Yeah, and then that, that also was about nine kilos as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And then shortly later, I shot a, um, a Jew off the front of the wreck, and, and that, that was his first um, ever bar. And, and later that day, he, Chicky Bugger, went and got two Jewfish, his first Jewfish and second Jewfish. Yeah, so, nice. He had a good day. Sounds like a good Very day, lovely. yeah. So what's in your dive bag, Rick, from head to toe? Like, you know, what, what, does, your, what does your dive bag okay. look like? Now, depending upon the season, like right now, the water temperature is 32 degrees. Yep. Wow. So that's bath water. Yeah. Um, so wear a stinger suit. And the stinger suit is A, for, for the um, not getting sunburned, and yep. B, um, not to get stung by our lovely um, seawasser by here, uh, up here, which is called a box jellyfish, which can kill you if you get a bad picker or you're young, but it's maybe it's got the sting of a blue bottle times about three so oh, wow. you know you're stung by them <laughs> yeah. and then touch wood i haven't stung by them and um so i thought uh, stinger suits, season sorry to interrupt you i thought i thought stinger suits were for looking good <laughs> oh well i always look good <laughs> <laughs> no right. this necessity but i say the, the main thing is not to get uh, sunburnt. Yep. They're, they're fantastic. <clears throat> and then secondly, the, and it's not just, not just sea wasp or um, box jellyfish, it's just things in the ocean that, that love to sting you. Yeah. We've got little ferns here called hydroids. And they look at a little baby fern, but they're like um, fire coral. And oh. they, they hit you, oh, they sting for hours. And they don't kill you, but they you know, like nothing worse than swimming into it. And as you can imagine, your face is not covered. Your, yeah. where, your, where your snorkel is, and you sneak past the wreck and you brush yourself in the face. And, and the most important thing is you get stung, you get to remember yourself, don't throw your head back because you're about to hold the head in a part of the um, iron wreck. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, um, okay. so, so you're, either your wetsuit or your stinger suit, like as, as the, the dry season comes on, you, you've got your stinger suit, then I might change to a... Um, um, a one and a half mil top, then I'll change to a one and a half mil bottom, then I'll change to a three mil top, then I'll change to a, a three mil bottom, and then work my way back again. So, okay. what's it? Um, my weight belt, um, and when I'm a stinger suit, um, if I'm putting myself down wrecks, you know, if it's past 10 meters, no weight, but if it's under 10 meters, I'll wear one or two weights <clears throat> to give myself neutral um, buoyancy so I don't have to fight. Yep. Um, and uh, on my weight belt, I've got my belt reel. Maybe one, apart from the knife, which, uh, as you know, is your most important piece of equipment, mm. the belt reel, I just love using it. I'm, I'm, if I'm diving out in the open um, on the reefs, I'll use a rib cord and a belt reel, uh, cord and a float and the belt reel. But the wrecks, is it because you're swimming through them and whatnot, mm. you can't use a rig cord because so you, um, you get caught up. 
Yep. Um, so re- record a belt burial on your on your belt, and then I have a a knife on my arm. Um, one of the as I said earlier, one of the dangers up here, you're getting tangled up in old fishing line and, and old anchor rope. So having two knives <clears throat> is very important. Yep. And generally, I have a knife on my right hand side and my on my left hand side on my on my arm and the belt knife on my right hand side. Um, and then I've got my um, two or three spare primers um, okay. in the my bucket. I'll have um, a pranger straightener, like a, a brass bit of tubing, maybe about nine inches long, where I can put it over and bend my pranger back straight again. Okay. If I don't do it with my thumb, uh, what else? Um, and I always carry two guns, sometimes a couple of spare spears. Uh, going back to Mount Mike Matty Poulton, he's up here one day and um, took him out, and here he's bent three spears and figure eights. He <laughs> told me he's never done that. He's built, he's built bent one, but never three. <laughs> so had, and, and luckily he had three spears, three yeah, spare yeah. spears. Oh, so I think spare guns, very, very important. And I also carry maybe a spare rubber or two um, in my um, in my equipment. Okay. Um, what else? You, you mentioned uh, the types of the spare guns earlier, but I didn't write them down. I just... What what were they? Okay, there. Um, I've got an Andre. Yep. Uh, many many years ago, I had oh, Peter Airbloom came to uh, Darwin, and it's, it's funny. This the British lately. He um, he came to Darwin, and uh, <clears throat> he finds coming down this particular day. And I said, "Oh, mate, you just missed the names." Anyway, we met up for coffee, and he said, "Oh, you wouldn't believe it. When you flew in the water looked clear, I said, water clear." So I quickly changed my appointments. Next half hour, we're in the boat going out to the wrecks, and uh, we're spearing Jewies like, gee, and it was clear. So, which maybe then look at maybe a day or two after the next is uh, is good. Anyway, he was going to um, Bali, and I asked him to ask Andre uh, to make me a mid-handle um, one meter gun. Um, and he, at that stage, he hadn't made any one small ones, and he, he made that for me, which I still use today. Okay, cool. Um, and then I have a another one meter, well, a bit over one meter gun, with a straight head. Um, I make Chris be Chris maybe um, as a backup, and sometimes I might even chuck a third gun in because you, you know. And then the third gun is maybe for someone else who's lost a gun or or whatever. Yep. So that's pretty important having a, a, a spare gun with you. Gloves and booties. You got any preferences with them? What what fins are you using? Um, I I I use um. Diver eyes, which are magnificent, and yep. as I said, I just told you I had a, a full knee reconstruction, total knee reconstruction in, in December, yep. and um, and I'm diving better than I'm walking. I'm walking pretty good, but I'm diving even better. So I have a pair of um, um, carbon fiber. Um, oh, nice. Um, yeah, is and 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 that is that is sensational. Any big uh, flippers are great, but. But um, Simon's been using diver eyes for some time, and yep. he actually gave him gave me his old pair, which I basically wore out. And I went through three different foot pockets, and <laughs> finally I got a, a new pair. Um, I remember in the old days when we first started, there were um, I just bought a pair of uh, baby Cressy Rondines for my um, granddaughter, and we're, oh Cressy Rondines, I used to use those, <laughs> um, and then and the, the big giant 
um, um, flippers, what do you call them? Uh, oh, I forget the name of the flippers, big, big blue ones. Um, they were the ants' pants. And, and, um, <laughs> cool. I can't think of what else I use. Um, That's a good bag. Uh, you might think of something while we go through Fast Five Facts yeah. for Noobs. Hi guys, Shrek and myself have penned a book called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's available on Amazon. It's full of all the great tips and advice that we've uh, heard over the course of the show. If you'd like to check that out, once again, it's 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, available on Amazon.com. If you were starting out all over again, Rick, what five pieces of advice would you have liked? Join a spearfishing club straight away. You yep. just cannot believe, um, like I, I was diving for years and years and years, and when I joined a spearfishing club, my expertise doubled overnight, okay. overnight. And you're hearing stories of your dive mates and your, your um, people you look up to. You're hearing, you know, you're, you're watching them dive and um, you're trying to copy them and whatnot. You look at their equipment, and uh, so join awesome. a dive club. Love it. Number two, learn how to breathe properly. Um, so do a, a spearfishing course. Um, I, um, I, I did one late in life. I did one a couple of years ago. Both Chris and I can dive at 30 meters. We wanted to push the envelope and do 40, so I, so I did one. <laughs> and my son, Simon, uh, does courses. Yep. Or... Or and take up yoga. I, I wish I had taken up yoga a hundred years ago. Okay, um, that helps. It actually helps your body and mobility and flexibility, and also great for your lungs. Um, okay. Learn how to read the weather and yep. um, and, and you know, take care. Know your limits and don't push past them. Um, and only dive. Where you are, where you're comfortable at, you'll see, you know, um, your other dive master can dive twice as deep. Don't push yourself, you know. It's just deep. One day you'll get there. Don't do it today. That's what I tell Turbo Rick. But hmm. like, if if he stuck to that, he would never get out of the bathtub. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So, but I know what you're saying. We we, we carefully supervise him to five meters. Um, <laughs> make sure there's a full support team around. Why do you keep offering to guide my hips down? I find that very unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> so for your fast, and, and, what, and oh, the, you got another one. And and the fifth thing, which I do every day, I've, I've got four flights of them. Hold your best breath, climbing stairs. Every opportunity you see, it, stairs are my trigger. Oh, hold my breath. And you you know jog up the stairs two at a time or one at a time. The okay. four flights I had going up is a little bit harder. Going down is easy peasy. I'll, I'll go down talking to someone and still hit the bottom without inhaling. Um, so hold your breath. Climbing stairs is just a, an extra little advantage I have. Awesome. And also, if you're walking along the street there, you, know, you might look stupid. Hold your breath as you're walking. You know, start off with 50 steps or 20 steps work up to 25 and 50 and then um, someone said to me in the, in, the, in one of the articles in the local newspaper um, if Rick doesn't answer when, you, when he's walking along the mall he's holding his breath for his dive training <laughs> <laughs> that's good you've built a, um, a bit of a reputation up there so yeah, so that that'd probably would help you with your job Rick you're a real estate agent by day I believe in a dirty water dive, um, dive wreck 
diver by night. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to make a T-shirt with um, Darwin Dolphins do it deeper and dirtier, but <laughs> I never got around to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Maybe that could be a Noob Spiro custom job, so good stuff. All right, mate. Shall we read those yeah. back, those yeah. top fives? So join a club. It'll improve uh, your spearfishing quickly. Um, and breathe properly and take up yoga. Uh, the next one was yeah, yeah. Le- learn how to read the weather conditions. Uh, yes. Number five, dive within your limits. There's always tomorrow. And number six, hold your breath on those stairs. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's, just, it's, it's an actual little bit that you wouldn't think about, but the stairs, if you tell yourself, the stairs are my trigger to remind me to hold my breath. Mm. So, and I have another trigger that I, when I drive along one particular stretch of road, the telegraph poles for some reason are closer than other telegraph poles. So again, oh, hold my breath. So I sometimes exhale and hold, well, don't hold my breath as I drive along. So whatever trigger you can use to help you. All right, Rick. Um, have you got some sort of action you'd like our listeners to take? Would you like them to come and check you out on Facebook or? Or come and check out your club online. Yeah, and yeah, they help themselves. Um, one of the things that, as I said to you, I, I recommend is is to uh, do a free diving course. My son Simon does one in in Sydney. Okay. Um, I think his one's called Australian Spiriting Academy. Yep. Um, and it, I think he's the only workshop that does it for four spiros. Yep. And uh, and improves spiros skills and safety. Yep. Like another mate. Um, Christian Nichols, and he lives in um, East Timor okay. uh, or Timor Lease, and he does free diving courses there. And and, and it's that's it, a holiday away if you're in Sydney, do that. But it's, it, it's very very important. Okay, what's his what's his name again? I'll link him up. Um, it's it's uh, Chris Nichols in Timor Lease, which is East Timor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think his his his, his company is called uh, Free Dive. T-A-S-I, T-A-S-I, or whatever it's called. Okay. And Simon's is um, Australian Spearwishing Academy in Sydney. No worries. I'll link them up in the show notes for guys. And, and, and um, both are uh, exceptional. Yeah, my, yeah. Uh, Simon's my son, so I think he's pretty good. We've talked to Simon before. He's got some awesome videos out there, a memorable one with Eris Betis that, that goes over breathing. It's a USFA-sponsored one. We've linked that up a few times. I'll, I'll put that in there as well. Again, that way people can sort of have a look at at some of the insight they could have into doing a course. So, no, good, yeah, stuff. good stuff. Awesome. Any any parting gu- guidance for our listeners, Rick? Um, Bit of advice? Oh, no, just look after your uh, fellow diver. Um, I, sadly, I say something. Is it? The border's so dirty here. If I'm if I've drowned, you know, you're not going to find me because um, it's so dirty. But but what we do do is that um, you know when we're we hanging off the anchor rope, generally um, consciously, you know, we know we're waiting for a diver to come up. So consciously we're there. And so the water's if it's deep water, it's hard to find us. We're clear water. You get a lot more chances. But keep an eye on your mate all. The time and and also don't bring a load of gun in the boat. Okay. Because mm. you know, even old divers sometimes they forget. Oh shit, that's loaded. Uh, so you know, don't bring a load of gun in the boat. Different. Sometimes you you know if you load a gun in the boat, if you're 
like my boat, it's a rib boat, a solid rib. You can sit on there, point the gun away from the boat. Um, yeah, it's a must, but never, ever, ever bring a loaded gun into the boat because you're asking for trouble. Awesome, Rick. Been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting here and hearing about some of the crazy um, diving conditions up there. We're gonna we're gonna do a pretty good write up about some of your from some of your dirty water diving tips. And uh, it was awesome to hear your scary story, even though it was, you know, pretty um, horrifying, I guess. And uh, but really, sort of, you know, good for an from an awareness perspective. So thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new ebook available on Amazon.com. Turbo and I have written a guide called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's actionable information to help you get take your diving to the next level. There's everything in there from blue water hunting techniques to maintaining your equipment. You wouldn't believe some of the nuggets our guests have shared with us. Turbo, I believe you've got a tip to share with us now. Yeah, that's right, Shrek. My number one tip is lock up the Doritos when Shrek's so on board. So, guys, uh, without further ado, <laughs> you can find that book, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, at Amazon.com. That Once again, the title of that book is 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing by yours truly, Shrek, and the ever-miniature Turbo. This show is proudly brought to you in partnership with Adreno. Shop with our sponsors at spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpearo at checkout to save $20 on purchases over $200, while you can also enjoy $15 flat shipping Australia-wide. Adreno is the biggest dive store in the world, stocking Spearow's favourite gear with mega stores in Brisbane, Sydney and now Melbourne, and 60 talented underwater experts on staff. It's a no-brainer to head in before your next big spearfishing trip. Check them out at spearfishing.com.au. Thanks for listening to today's show. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. To learn more about becoming a better Spiro, visit us at noobspiro.com and subscribe to our newsletter.